You're listening to a special edition of On the Record, online with Eric Schwartzman, the official podcast of the Public Relations Society of America International Conference, October 16th through 19th, 2010, in D.C., featuring conference keynote speakers, panelists, and newsmakers. To join PRSA or register for the conference, visit prsa.org. So my guests uh, this afternoon are Martin Mertland. He is the Vice President and Managing Director of Solutions for Communications Professionals with Dow Jones Enterprise Media Group. And he is joined by Cindy Drogue. She is um, an APR and she is the Senior Public Relations Specialists uh, for Corporate Communications at Amway. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you, Eric. So we are here at the Public Relations uh, Society of America's International Conference in D.C., um, and you're my second guest. I know you guys are going to be presenting a session, and I do want to talk about that. Uh, but before I do, um, I know Factiva has some products that they're talking about here at the show that I actually wasn't aware of. Yeah. I, you know, when I was in PR, I was a Factiva customer. I remember when the product was launched. Yeah. Um, Claire Hart threw a party at the Rare Book Room mm-hmm. uh, at the Los Angeles Library, and the soundbite I walked away from was "Preserve Organizational Intelligence." Mm-hmm. It's been branded on my brain since 2001, and I, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I became a client, uh, but at the time, I know Dow Jones was a, a joint venture with Reuters. Yeah. So, what's happened with that? Uh, a lot, lot of lot of great things have happened since then. Um, you know, Dow Jones bought uh, Reuters out of the joint venture and became a Factiva, got moved into the enterprise media group, and then the as part of the Dow Jones reorganization, uh, as News Corp bought Dow Jones, it's now been moved into just one one company. So we've actually combined the the consumer media group part of Dow Jones and enterprise media group into a single single company. Um, so there's been a lot of good investment coming into the company from News Corp, which has been fantastic. But uh, I suppose one of the problems I have of you know, you know, uh, marketing our services to PR and corporate communications professionals is they just know us either for Factiva or they know us for the Wall Street Journal or the uh, indexes. So I quite often get for stock advice, which I'm not really the right person to give stock advice. Um, we do have a range of products that are built specifically for uh, PR and, uh, professionals and marketing communications professionals. Uh, the way I, I look at it is, is I'm a simple guy, so I, I like an easy acronym to remember, and we, we call it MADE, M-A-D-E, uh, so MADE for commu- your you know, communication success. M stands for the media monitoring aspects of it, and that's really di- uh, like Factiva, the product a lot of people know us for. But we also enable people to promote that buzz internally. So we have newsletter services, uh, reader license to be able to, to distribute that information around an organization. You've got the uh, the um, journalist database, right, that gives you access to the actual stories they've written. Yeah, so that would be, come, come around onto that. That would be the E, the part of Engage. So we have A, which is media analysis, which is, uh, we have Dow Jones Insight, which is a listening platform. Uh, it covers social media and mainstream media. A lot of people sort of know us for the mainstream media, but we have a very strong international coverage of uh, social media as well. And then we have Discover, which is uh, really discovering issues uh, you know, for crisis management and hopefully in time to act, both issues and opportunities. Uh, so we have research on demand services for that 
and some discovery technologies to help people with that. And then E, the final part you talked about, is engage. We do that engagement for both internal communications and external communications. So on internal communications, we have a, a newsletter publishing platform called Editorial Workbench, and we have managed news summaries that we can create you know, actually complete outsource newsletter capabilities to Dow Jones. Or we have a, a new product that we launched actually at this uh, conference last year called Dow Jones Media Relations Manager, which you've uh, referred to. And what's unique about that is that it's really a news-enabled media contact database. And what we've done is linked together the, the biographies of the journalists and bloggers with the news articles that they've actually written. So instead of getting finding a list of journalists or bloggers on an outdated you know, beat that they look at, you can actually do it based on the news they've written uh, up, up to the minute. So a lot more accurate in terms of pinpointing the right journalists. So now right you're to. here with uh, Cindy from Amway. Cindy, yeah. you're using the products and you're monitoring with them. Uh, tell us a, a little case study about what uh, you're here to talk about here at the conference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, today at the conference, we're just going to talk about the fact that we work with Dow Jones on a global study. And so Amway does 19, in 19 different markets every quarter, we do a reputational study. But it's like your typical survey. And so what we really wanted to do was dive into the real-time conversation, specifically with Dow Jones. We did that in Russia, Japan, Korea, and Germany. And that's what we're going to be talking about today in terms of how did we do it, what about their mix of humans and technology that really understand the culture in each of those markets, was able to contribute to our strategy in the online space. Give us some hard stats on Amway, just so we know how big the company is. Sure, absolutely. Um, Amway is uh, a nine billion dollar company around the world. We're in eighty. Now that's that's yeah. just amazing. Yeah, we're in eighty countries billion, and territories. But the products are not sold in stores, right? That's correct. Our products are sold through independent business owners, except for in China, where we do have stores. So our business model is a little bit different uh, in China, which is our number one market. Right, and and there's you know there's. It's, it's multi-level marketing, right? I mean, you really Correct. wrote, you guys wrote the book on that. We did. We're the uh, grandfather of the multi-level marketing industry, which, you know, is more commonly referred to as the direct selling industry now, but yes. Okay, and but the truth is, I mean, probably, I would imagine if you're in PR at Amway, that's probably what you have to deal with, because probably yes. a lot of people misunderstand it. They may think of it as a pyramid scheme. Absolutely. In fact, pyramid is one of the key words that we that we look for when we monitor. Because, in fact, Amway um, is not a pyramid. A pyramid is illegal. And so some of what we do in our monitoring efforts is correct that very misperception right. that Amway is a pyramid. So you're not just looking for pyramid. You're looking for pyramid in conjunction with another term. In, in conjunction with MLM, with direct selling, with Amway. But also there are other you know, well-respected companies are in our industry like Avon, Mary right. Kay, Arbonne. Right. And so we actually kind of look for opportunities not just related to Amway, but just related to the industry in general to correct misperceptions. It's a big part of what I do online. So when you look at monitoring, you're looking at, hey, how do I find this conversation mm -hmm. so that I can correct misleading and false information? Absolutely, yeah. That, that's um, a full-time job. Okay. <laughs> and we could use more people to do that. It's The conversation is very robust. And then when you take it to that global level, right. even more so. You know, a lot of us have that sort of U.S. perspective right. of pyramid scheme and what it means. Um, but we're looking at this in, you know, 50-plus countries on on a regular basis. So how do you pull that off? Because if you look at just straight like Google Translate, yeah. you know, you get a rough idea of what's said mm -hmm. there, but you don't really know, you don't have, you know, a feeling for what really is being right. communicated unless you, I guess, can read the language. So what are you doing? Do you have like people, Russian natives who are looking at it or how does that work? 
so a lot of when we find these mentions, a lot of what we do is we work really closely with our affiliate PR staff to send it to them and let them react within the market because they understand how to react and what the person's really saying. We have a lot of challenges with things like sarcasm, for example. Headlines may say, you know, translated may say to you, Amway is a scam. But when you read the actual content, that's just the headline they use to get the attention to talk positively about Amway. So we use a lot of real human beings to look at, at these messages and determine you know, what's positive, what's negative, and how we engage from there. So it's a, it can be an around-the-clock process. And some of the other tools, like um, TweetDeck is just a real-time tool that I keep up on my screen at all times because their translate model is fairly accurate and helps me to translate things instantly, at least a little bit. You know, not 100%, but so, so for a company like Amway, mm -hmm. right, when you tap a monitoring platform, relevancy is key. Absolutely. Because if you're spending time separating the wheat from the chaff, you're you're dead meat. So, Martin, how do you do that? How do you make sure that the clips she gets or the status updates she's looking at or yeah. the tweets she's looking at are the right ones? Uh, a lot of it starts at the beginning before I actually you know start building uh, an installation or platform for for a client to really understand you know the normal things, understand the business objectives, but going back to understand what they're trying to analyze and, and, and measure. And then, you know, we, we, we work out through them, you know, I get a good, like, statement of work to understand it, understand what the, the, the things that for them are positive, negative, what are the issues, who are their competitors, who are their spokespeople, what markets they're interested in, or how can we help them prioritize what markets to focus on. Uh, then what we do is we use a lot of tech, we use text mining uh, technologies in our, our listening platform. So we, we create very complex Boolean uh, search strings. We have analysts who, who, who create, create those. Uh, in the natural languages to really get those local nuances, you know, because you can't just do a str straight translation of of the words. And then what 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 we then do is then go through a uh, quality assurance uh, pro pro process with the client, where we've done our own testing, and uh, before we hand over uh, an installation to the client, that they will then test it and ensure it's pr providing the accurate results. And then we do tweaking on it if necessary, and then we go through do the training with the client and ha hand over. Uh, but you know things change over time, so we, we do as part of our relationship with customers, you know, uh, build in you know uh, quarterly updates, and likewise, you know, we can do you know re refreshes on, on on the search strings, or even swap out concepts that we're analysing for the client based on changes in their businesses or, or the situations that are that are happening. Um, typically, those sort of uh, is good for sort of the long, long, longer term type type trends. Uh, we also have services that you can you can do on the fly. The end user can do on their fly searches to sort of track track and be alerted to what's happening as well. Now, last year, yeah. uh, a guy by the name of Rob Key, who runs a business called Conversion, was yeah. on the program. Yes. I interviewed him, and he said, you know, in the industry, when it comes to rich text analytics. Mm -hmm. You know, 60% accuracy is mm. probably the best you're going to get. Mm. And if anyone tells you they're getting more, yeah. be very careful. That, those are his words. Do you agree or disagree? So if you're talking about sentiment analysis, uh, I think sentiment analysis still got automated sentiment analysis still has a way to go. And whenever we t explain it to clients on sentiment, yes, we would quote the roughly numbers, 60 70% uh, level of accuracy. What that automated sentiment is good for is, you know, going for the breadth of coverage and the volume, and it's good at identifying the extremities of highly positive, uh, hi highly highly negative uh, content. We also offer clients, if they're uh, tools and uh, uh, services you know, or capabilities inside the product, where they can either take ran uh, random sample sets 
of the content where they can score that themselves or we can do that for them as well. So we take a statistical sample outside their complete coverage and if they want high levels of precision on that, then we can score those manually. You know, for me, as a PR person, I could see how if I was a marketer or an advertiser or a brander, I, that could be very valuable, even mm-hmm. that 60, 70 percent, because yeah. I could sort of it's a, that's come, get a in, feel. That plays in speed, speed in the direction. As that. a communicator, as a PR person, if I was in some sort of a crisis, mm-hmm. you know, 60 percent accuracy, even 70 percent accuracy would, would make me very nervous. Mm-hmm. So I guess, how do you introduce another layer of filtering that's more accurate? I think what you're trying to do is really look, look at uh, you know, the extremities, uh, f- first of all, and then you have a targeted media list as well. You know, who, who do you think is the most influential people that you want to pay, pay your, your focus on? I think influence is a difficult one because sometimes that changes, changes over time. Uh, you know, for instance, new things can be crop, crop, cropping up all, all the time. Uh, but what we try, try to do is, is sort of, you know, we can also do discovery around, you know, who, who are the types of people or the sites that they should be uh, paying, paying most attention to. We're talking to Martin Mertland, Vice President and Managing Director, Solutions for Communications Professionals at Dow Jones Enterprise Media Group, and Sydney Drogue, Senior Public Relations Specialist, Corporate Communications at Amway. And when we come back, uh, they're going to tell us about what they are doing to incorporate uh, social, the social media graph uh, into their analytics. And we'll talk about clout as well. Stay with us. This January 2011, Paul Gillen and Eric Schwartzman bring you the first book devoted exclusively to B2B social media communications. Packed with business-to-business case studies and applied knowledge, Social Marketing to the Business Customer is the most comprehensive collection of B2B social media marketing guidance ever assembled. B2B markets are driven by value and relationships. That's very different from B2C markets. This book's a hands-on guide. It walks business people step-by-step through the process of using social media to find and engage business customers and ultimately drive more revenue. Social Marketing to the Business Customer is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and Borders. Or buy it at our show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Also available for iPad and Kindle. Yeah, um, I know some of the tools that are out there now sort of give some visibility to who's saying what from a follower standpoint, from a retweet standpoint. And there's this new um, service called Clout, which you may be familiar with. It sort of gives you a rank of influence. Um, is there any sort of visibility on that level from your from your tool? No, we've been looking at. We think that some of those metrics. I think that's the stuff that Cloud's done, and some other companies in, into that influence area is a great first step in influence. But I think if you sort of look at some of that, I think you have to think of the context and what you're writing. So we're working some stuff currently in our labs to see how we can do a better, you know, better mousetrap, so to speak, on, on influence. I think some of the important things you have to take in is the context. You know, so yes, you know, a certain blogger, you know, Scoble might be a very good blogger, but if I'm my domain that I'm interested in is, you know, uh, tractors or, you know, uh, beauty products or whatever. He may not be the most influential blogger to, to pay, be paying attention to. So I think you need to have it in context um, on, on what the person is actually writing about rather than just the, the volume of their followers. Uh, and other aspects are is that you, there's some interesting research also by HP Labs that sort of showed that um, the most chatty or talkative people 
aren't necessarily the most influential people. I think what you also need to do is look at the people that are passing on content uh, as well. Uh, that's important, you know, because they can act, actually get out to your perhaps your target audience. And likewise, you know, when, when you're looking at things online, that's only part of your equation. You've also got to look what's happening in the physical world, you know, and what's happening there. You know, so yes, you'll be identifying influence in the online world, but then you also have to think about what's happening in the offline world as well. So tell us, if you would, Cindy, your experience with monitoring and, and, and why you're here. What, what did you, what takeaways and uh, lessons did you learn that you're here to share with the PR trade? Sure, so what I think, we were looking for global trends. And I don't think this, this may not surprise anyone, but what we really found is it's more important to look at the local trends. So what I think we set out to find global trends, but what we really found was that in certain markets, we had uh, some teachable moments with the people who were talking about us. For example, um, you know, in one market, uh, our distributor force and some of our other advocates were online saying things like, our artistry beauty products are the best in the world, for example. Um, instead of actually starting and engaging in a real dialogue to say, hey, this is what artistry products do, um, and here's how we compare to our competitors. So these sort of, I don't want to say outlandish statements, but statements that weren't really engaging anyone in dialogue. So I think we learned a lot from that particular market about that. And it really, you know, to your early, earlier question to Martin, we use human beings. We really do. For us, the technology takes us to a certain place. And then after that, we are using our advocates, whether they're internal employees or distributors or people who are familiar with our products, to reach out to others. So the technology takes us to a point, but after that, we really have um, a staff of over 100 PR people around the world that are making sure that we sound like humans, that we're talking to each other, and that we're taking the most passionate people and sharing that passion. It's, it's something people, that technology can't do for you. How do you operationalize humanity? How do you pull that off? Sure. Um, we just, we're, we be ourselves. I don't know. Is there a policy? Is there some sort of training? Sure. There's I mean, training. How does absolutely. it work? Yeah, there's absolutely. Training is probably our biggest um, asset and also our biggest challenge because we develop training for our PR people around the world and also for our distributors at corporate headquarters in Ada, Michigan. Well, that may not translate exactly to the market in Japan or Korea or China. So a lot of times we're working on transcreation of that training and how to, when to jump online. We, we, um, we look a little bit less at the influence metric and a little bit more at where can we change someone's mind. So if we can change your mind and you've tweeted or said something on your blog that's negative about Amway, if we think you, we can change your mind, we may reach out to you even if you only have 12 followers. So it's a metric that is, I think, a little bit different than what typical companies are looking at as their influencer metric. I read an interesting blog post by a guy named Jeremiah Oyang who writes mm -hmm. a blog called Web Strategist. I'll, I'll have a link to the blog post in the show notes. And I think it was yesterday, and he was basically saying that the future of customer service is intercepting, you know, finding the client with the problem, solving the problem before they actually call in on the call center. And I mean, I would imagine that if you're doing that in a public forum like Twitter, that would need a different skill set than a customer service person acting one-on-one -on -one might have. Are you guys in the process of trying to bring customer service and PR together? And if so, how is that happening? 
We are in the process of bringing customer service and PR and even digital marketing together on that. Um, and so we, we agree with Jeremiah that if there if there's a problem with um, a product specifically, or even with how the business opportunity is being presented, we're catching that almost right away. Now we do dispatch it to our PR um, counterparts around the world, and then a lot of times they, within the market, connect with their customer service people. So you know there is a process for it, and on paper there's a process. But what's fascinating and keeps me on my toes every day is that sometimes that process of how to respond that we maybe used to have a week or a day or an hour to figure out is something that we're trying to figure out within minutes. Let's talk, go ahead, yes. you had something to say no, to just, that? Yeah, I, just, that. I was just you were asking how some, you know, some of the technology we help. One of the things we have have also looked at is how can we sort of re- reduce the sort of what I call the noise to signal ratio, so how you can pick up on the things that are you know, bursting onto the scene or, or coming up, you know, maybe potential risks or maybe potential opportunities. So one of the things we have is our discovery technologies uh, is we look at across three different angles. You know, we look at, yes, you know, the, the volume, but the percentage increase in volume and also, uh, you know, the, uh, the, how significant a, a mention will, will, will be. Uh, we, we do that by comparing how, how frequent that word is used inside uh, content like Twitter and the newswire content, which is more, typically more faster moving. And from that, you can you know see what what phrases are bursting onto onto this on the scene more readily. So trying to cut down through the noise that you have to look through, but actually identify some of the trends you know at an earlier earlier stage. You know, um, so many uh, of the tools for monitoring and listening mm-hmm. are becoming free. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, you can use uh, Google Advanced Search get a pretty good visibility of what's being said in the news in real time. And, I mean, I don't know how quickly they do it, but I've got to think if you're Google and you're indexing news, you got to index it fast because mm-hmm. if not, no one's going to use Google News, right? That product has no shelf life. Sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> being attacked. George Washington? <laughs> Is that the George Washington? Oh, my God. Fabulous. Nice to see you. Are you promoting something, George? Do you have something to promote? Yeah. We're being accosted by a, by a mannequin here at the booth. I think booth. stuff for words, though. He has oh, something. It's a DC. visitor's guide. <laughs> All right. You want to put that down on the table there, George? No. He doesn't <laughs> want to do that. All right. Uh, there we are. There we are. You got a plug, George. Well done. Okay. Hi, George. All right. You can't. Uh, don't cut down any trees, George. All right. All right. Good. Thank you. <clears throat> That's a, that you know that scary. story, George and the tree? No. Martin wouldn't know that story. Uh, that, wasted on me, sorry. That would be the type of story that a customs officer uh, or an immigrations officer would you. use. And the story is that George Washington, who's our first president, that you probably I know, that much. <laughs> um, cut down a cherry tree, and his father found that the cherry tree was cut down and came up to him and said, George, who did this? And he said, Father, I cannot tell a lie. I cut down the cherry tree. And so he's honored ah. for acknowledging his shortcomings yeah. and his mea culpa. We all have shortcomings. Right. <laughs> and we are defined by them in the social media space. Yes, yeah. we are. And how we acknowledge them. Um, any sort of words of wisdom? Like, have, have, you, have you sort of road tested the Dow Jones product in a crisis situation? We have not road tested the Dow Jones uh, product in a crisis situation yet. Um, Let's hope you never have to. <laughs> we right? hope we never have to. Okay. We are certainly willing to do that. Um, 
And, you know, if, if something happened tomorrow, we don't have Dow Jones in place, we would probably use some of the free tools that you mentioned, Bing Social, uh, Facebook search, Twitter search, and things like that. And so our plan is more ramp up the listening when a crisis occurs. So as opposed to one or two people sitting at Amway offices doing the listening, we would immediately ramp up to five or six people doing that and employ deploy a, an army of listeners, if you will. One of the concerns I hear uh, heralded in the industry mm-hmm. is the issue of latency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, any delay in the amount of time it takes you to get your data and get some overstanding, understanding over that data is critical in a crisis situation. Yeah. Perhaps not in a regular PR situation, but if, if, if there's a crisis, you need to know and you need to respond immediately. Yeah. So talk to us about latency. I know you guys do have your own technology. You're not buying the data sure. from someone else. That probably makes it a little faster. Yeah. But give us some insight. In, I know you guys were one of the first adopters of XML. Give us some insight yeah. into you know how you're managing to manipulate, massage, and deliver the data and how quick it is. So a lot is moving to, you know, you, I think push, you know, pub, sub hub, hub, becoming more of a standard where you actually get updates, you know, being pushed uh, to you from the site. So that's help, helped a lot in terms of the latency. So now we can get the content a lot quicker. Uh, but why would sites. that make it quicker? Because it seems to me, because you, you, it's not the push; it's the index when yeah, when you index it. But then, if you, you you don't have to go out, so when you're indexing a site, you may visit a site uh, on an indexing basis. Maybe you go to one, once a day, three times a day. You also have to respect, you know, people's sites. You know, they they're there to serve a purpose. You know, deliver a business. So you can't aggressively, you know, mine or crawl, crawl a site. Uh, so I think the fact the push that the content sent you a lot quicker mean reduces the amount of uh, server capacity you need to, 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 to crawl sites or to process sites, but also for the, the host site, you know, the, it reduces the amount of capacity they need to do people hitting hitting their sites. So I, I just want to make sure I understand because yeah. I, I'm not sure that I do. Sure. So you're saying that rather than have a spider yeah. that crawls sites, you're subscribing to a feed from that site. No, if you get if you get them from uh, push, you get the, the, the feed sent sent to you. Uh, we still use crawling on sites that don't support that, so not all sites support that standard. I think that that standard will will, will become you know a lot more prevalent. And the standard is XML. Yes, this, with the, the content we process, we process the content X, XML and we index it in XML. We then add a lot of metadata uh, on top of that as well. But I, the push is just a, a technology, you know, a, like a distribution mechanism. To what extent can relevancy speed things up by meaning that you have to process less data with machines? Uh, I, I think the, 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 the relevancy, um, what you can see is, um, well, one of the things we're looking at is relevancy and, and importance of, of content. You can then go uh, look to process content at different speeds. So, for instance, if a, a site is not maybe, uh, you know, is typically updated once a month or once a week, then that's something you can you know put on a on a le- le- less fast track for going through your system. But a lot of the time, the processing time through the system is very very quick. So we can get stuff you know a, you know onto a client's dashboard in less than thirty minutes from when a time. Uh, you know, site was updated uh, on, on, on the internet, and sometimes you can do it fast, faster than that. Um, you know, we also you know have a lot of learnings we can bring from our newswires business in terms of low latency feeds, where we're actually providing services for algorithmic trading, uh, where you're actually looking to how can you get information into you know black box trading systems, you know, uh, in a matter of milliseconds. So we, we have good, good good knowledge that we can transfer from other parts of the business into the speed speed and the, the that we can process content. 
Final question. Sure. Um, if you were to flip the uh, flip flip the uh, um, the purpose of these monitoring tools and make them work for the news media. Yep. Are these tools tools that could be used by editors to figure out what to write about? And it, it, do you, it, do you, is there a future market there? Because uh, I mean, you guys are on both sides of the house. Yes, now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, there's certainly a strong wall between the editorial side of the business and the, the business side of the business, so a lot of independence. But we are uh, providing, you know, analysis, uh, you know, one-off, you know, research uh, for, for journalists when they're looking to, to look in more detail on some trends on certain certain issues. Uh, likewise, you know, we've had journalists, you know, outside of Dow Jones who call us up, uh, interesting in, you know, things like the, the, the Toyota, uh, you know, uh, breaks looking for analysis and data on that to try and help back up some of their thinking or to disprove some of their thinking and to see how that sort of resonates. So we can do that sort of uh, bespoke analysis uh, for customers and for the and for the media. It's interesting, you know, the head of uh, public relations for, or maybe not the head, the man, supervisor or something that handles social media for Toyota was on the program. Yeah. And we talked about, you know, the, some of these issues. They're not one of our clients. Any, any, I mean, was of that a real study that was you done? No, we, we, no, we had, I think it was, P, it was PR, PR Week, it was PR Week uh, uh, called us up, they were writing a story on it, so they wanted to sort of see how, how that it, how that it, uh, how, 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 how it affected Toyota, uh, how, how favorable, unfavorable, we're using the automated, there was using again the automated favorability, gives you an idea of trend, and then seeing how that compared and benchmarking against the other, other companies in the industry, so that was just you know, an article we, we, we collaborated and provided some data that PR Week was writing. Martin Mertwin, Vice President and Managing Director Solutions for Communications Professionals at Dow Jones Enterprise Media Group and Cindy Drogue, APR, Senior Vice President Specialist Corporate Communications at Amway. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank Eric. you. You've been listening to a special edition of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman the official podcast of the Public Relations Society of America International Conference, October 16th through 19th, 2010, in D.C. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, post a comment to the show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Connect with us on Facebook or Twitter at On The Record, or send an email to eric at ericschwartzman.com. This podcast has been a special production of On the Record Online and the Public Relations Society of America. Unlike normal productions of On the Record Online, this episode recording cannot be duplicated without explicit permission from PRSA.